Scripturing this morning will come from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteousness judge, the righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Welcome to the services of Delray Church of Christ. About a year ago, we were sitting around the dinner table one night. My brother-in-law and his family was with us, and one of his grandsons, three and a half years old at the time, was sitting observing what was going on, and he looked across the table at me and he said, he can talk. <laughs> I can still talk a little bit. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations shall be gathered before him, and he will separate the one from another, but the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked or clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. As you know, we have a benevolence work goes on here, and especially on Wednesdays when food's given out. Freddie Johnson and Billy Kemp are up here every Wednesday morning handing out bags of fruit, food. Last year alone, they gave out 1,625 bags of groceries. These average about $5.75 per bag. So you see, we are doing some good. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water that brings forth its fruit in the season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I got four words I want you to remember from today. Blessed is the man. Thank you. Sixty-five years. It was 65 years ago in the summer of 1953, a group of Christians began to meet here in the Delrada area of Montgomery. Having been sent out from Montgomery's mother church, the Katoma Street Church of Christ, it was a church plant. They felt it was time that there was a church way out here in East Montgomery, on the edge of Montgomery's growing east side. The first they first met at a house in a studio on Comedia Drive, and that's right behind the Publix right over there. And there was a, and I've been told that uh, Faye McKee is the only member here today that uh, was a member from the very first days. There are a few others that are here today that were here from those early days. But most of you are like myself, arrived here many years later. I didn't have the privilege to get to know those original elders but I'm confident I can tell you what they believed. They believed this life did not begin by some random accident with absolutely no purpose for living. They believed that an almighty God created the heavens and the earth and that Jesus was God's son and he came to earth to live as a man, only to die a brutal death on the cross to give us the hope of eternal life. And they believed God gave us an inerrant, inspired Bible to communicate his will to us. They believe the church is the bride of Christ and just wanted to be the church that we read about in the New Testament. They knew that the world of religious division all over town would not lead to Christ's desire for unity and felt the only path was to follow the plea to go back to the Bible and restoring New Testament Christi Christianity. They didn't want to be just another church. They wanted to be the church we read about in the New Testament. And they just wanted to be Christians. 65 years later, None of that's changed. I think it's good that from time to time we reflect on the wonderful Christian men and women that have worshipped at Delray over the past 65 years and have gone on to their reward. Today, we walk on their shoulders as we head into the next 65 years. A great representative of the Christians that have passed on is the last of our members to pass on, Brother Hubert Furlong, one of our former elders, whose life will be celebrated this afternoon. When I tried to think of one picture that described what these Christians have done over the past 65 years, it would be this. It would be a lifesaver ring being thrown to someone that's drowning. The first way a lifesaver ring has been used is by the way the Christians here take care of one another. Life is tough. We've all had those times when we've needed to have somebody throw us a lifesaver. Maybe we're dealing with our illness, a death of a loved one. Perhaps you're dealing with depression, anxiety, or loneliness. Or maybe you're caring, or maybe caring for family members is just wearing you down. I remember the first time someone here threw me a lifesaver. My family had just gone through an extremely hard decision of deciding we needed to look for another group of Christians to worship and work with about 20 years ago. The place we, first place we visited had several hundred in attendance and only about five people spoke to us. And we left even more discouraged that day. We decided the next week we'd give Delrada a try, prepared for the same experience. 
The minute we walked in the door, people started to throw us lifesavers. When we went to the Bible class, more people greeted us warmly. Even more came to greet us before the worship service. When the service was finally over, more people kept on throwing us those lifesavers for about 30 more minutes. By the time we made it to the car, we pretty much knew where we would be attending. I'll always be thankful for those lifesavers that day. Imagine most of you here can think of a time when someone threw you a lifesaver, when you desperately needed one. Church here has truly practiced Galatians 6.10 where it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. After all, it's going to be our love for one another that people outside these walls will know that we're disciples of Christ. The second way to use a lifesaver, which has been used here over the past 65 years, is to throw it to someone who's not a Christian. Delreda has always been known as a mission-minded congregation for many years, with many being brought to Christ through our efforts locally and abroad. And we should be thankful for our past at Delreda. As we look to the future, we know the church at Delreda, 65 years from now, will, will not look any way like it does today, just as we look totally different than the Delreda church 65 years ago. We pray the church here will always hold to the truths of the Bible, that the Christians here will always love one another. And the message of the gospel will continue to be spread throughout the world. As we focus on this year, we want to continue the challenge we made last year of getting outside the wire. We've made progress. We should do so much more. Whether this year, next year, or for anyone still here 65 years from now, let's all, each one of us, that make up the Delrada Church, always be in the life-saving business and the soul-saving business. I am glad that someone threw you a lifesaver, brother. It is a privilege to serve with these men as one of your elders. Uh, these men have your best interest at heart. They love you beyond measure. And it is... It is a privilege to be here this morning. I'm humbled to stand before you as one of your leaders, and, and I want you to know that I love you all. The subject I wish to speak on to you about is one that is vitally important, and I shared many of these same thoughts uh, during our men's retreat back in November, and I desire to share them with you today. Leadership. Leadership done God's way. You know, leadership done God's way is going to produce something that is very special. Leadership done God's way is going to touch lives in a special way. Our task is to understand what God's way is and submit to it and do it that way. We read in Acts 20 a very emotional account of Paul's final charge to the Ephesian elders just before he leaves them. He knows he's not going to see them again. Beginning in verse 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. As elders, we must be watchful. We must be alert and protect the flock at Dalreda. We must lead. Plain and simple. As deacons, we must lead in the ministry we have been asked to lead and have chosen to lead. 
As preachers and teachers, we must bring our best every time. Every time we present God's word in the Bible class or from this pulpit, nothing less than our best is expected. As men and women, we must lead and love our families in the way that God has designed. When I consider the responsibility that we have been charged with as your elders, I'm humbled. I'm, and I'm also struck with a great sense of urgency, knowing that God expects us to lead and our leading is to be done his way. When we think about passages that challenge us as leaders, I don't think it gets any plainer than Ephesians chapter 4. If you want a passage that plainly speaks to what will make a church grow, this is the one. The passage plainly says, if the church does things like this in this way, here's what we need to do, here's how we need to do it. If we do this, then it will cause growth in the body. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 16 is so rich. But let's focus in on verses 11 and 12. Here we're going to notice God's design for leadership. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. There are three things here that leadership is for. For equipping the saints, for the work of ministry, and for building up of the body. Equipping the saints, that's learning the word of God. Whose responsibility is it to learn the word of God? Whose fault is it if the church at Dalreda is not learning the word of God? It might be your leaders, and we don't want this to be the case. And then why is it important to learn God's word? You can't be effective in ministry if you don't know God's word and God's way of doing ministry. We can't be the leaders we need to be as elders and deacons, ministers and teachers, and men and women without knowing God's word. Effective in ministry. Think about that for a moment. If there's a way to be effective in ministry, then I guess it would stand to reason that there's a way to be ineffective in ministry. We need to know the difference, see the difference, and avoid being ineffective in our ministry. If we see that something's not working, we need to rethink that approach. Good leaders equip the saints to be effective in ministry. And why? So that the body of Christ will be built up. If we can continue on together in love and working properly together, then God's church will be, will be blessed with the kind of growth that he designed. How do I know this? Because that's what he's promised in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up itself. It builds itself up in love. So our question must be, how do we get the whole body working properly so that the body will grow and build itself up in love? How are we going to get every member doing its part? Do we have something in place to make that happen? The handout that you've been given today, the Get Connected handout, is a product of the men's retreat that we had back in November. We sat together as a group of men and discussed our involvement as a congregation and ways to improvement. This form is the list of all areas of our ministries that we do as a congregation. This form is a one-page, 
simple form that will be quick to fill out and will be a valuable tool to help us get more members activated in the areas that you wish to work. We would like each member to fill out one of these forms and place them in one of the bins in either foyer. It's the little green bin that you'll see by the doors. We also request that you fill out the back section of this form entitled Your Info so that we can update each person's information. Now look, these forms don't mean anything in and of themselves. But when you fill out them, understand that you're making a decision. You're making a commitment to make yourself available for the work. Very soon after we collect all these forms, someone will be calling you to put you to work in something that you have volunteered to be a part of. You know, when people are busy, there's less time to complain. When people are busy, people are feeling useful. When people are busy, people are being active in one another's lives. Relationships are being built and things are getting accomplished. And you know what? The church is growing. Y'all, I believe that Dalreda is a very special place. I love being a part of this congregation. And I truly believe that our best days are ahead of us. I want to end my thoughts today with one of my favorite poems, and it's by our own brother Gene Connor. This poem is entitled, Someone. We often wait for things to be done by, that by this vague person called someone. We can second guess with the best when the work of others fail the test. When workers are needed, we are strangely quiet. We labor not, but are quick to note what's not right. Why can't others see what needs to be done? Why don't they send someone? So many are lost and wonder in sin each day. Why doesn't someone teach them God's way? Many are without hope of seeing heaven above. Why doesn't someone tell them of God's mercy and love? Many are in pain and sorrow or face decisions that are hard. Why doesn't someone comfort them or at least send them a card? Visitors come to the services and sit all alone. Why doesn't someone meet them and greet them before they are gone? As I search my mind for things to critique, a mirror I chance to see. The image was that of a lost soul, and it looked a lot like me. If that were my soul, <clears throat> if that were my soul, where would I be if my salvation depended on someone like me? When others were in need, could it possibly be that someone God sent was me? The needs are many and the workers are few. Have you ever considered the one sent might be you? As we travel the roads of life and the needs of others see, why can't we more like the good Samaritan be? Christ served and died for all, yet our salvation has a duty call. When will our answer be? Here am I, Lord, send me. A year ago, we stood before you with an elder's challenge to go outside the wire. A military term meaning to leave the safety of this building to go out in the world around us 
and you accepted the challenge. Last year we had folks go door knocking in our neighborhoods and to visit those households that received food from our food bank. How goes the battle? Last year we had folks ministering to those in prison, to the widows, to the orphans. How goes the battle? Last year we had folks visiting the sick in the hospitals and the shut-ins in their homes. How goes the battle? Last year we had folks praying for those that needed prayers. Again, how goes the battle? Last year we had folks give liberally of their time and of their money. I'm proud to say for 2017 that we exceeded our budget. And for 2018, we've increased it modestly. Our goal for a weekly contribution will be $21,000. Of that budget, again, a third of it is going for mission work. Almost two-thirds of our total budget this next year will be going for missions, evangelism, and benevolence. We're very proud and honored that you have placed so much trust in this eldership and its stewardship that you're willing to give of your time and of your means. We feel like we're doing good work here, and we want to continue with that good work. But how goes the battle? Last year, we sent folks on missionary trips to faraway countries to strengthen and encourage young Christians and young congregations. We also sent them not too far away to do the same thing. How goes the battle? We also had folks that got discouraged because they didn't see results. How goes the battle? Last year we had folks grow weary of the labor and left it to others to pick up the work. How goes the battle? We sing a song It's called The Battle Belongs to the Lord, 749s in our book. We need to take courage and remember that when we ask how goes the battle, we have to remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. The last line of that hymn that we sing, it says, When your enemy presses in hard, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend, and your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. So we need to stay focused. We need to endure. Several scriptures throughout the New Testament tell us to endure. Galatians 6 and 9 tells us, do not grow in doing good. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 13, do not grow weary. Galatians 6 and 10, let us do good to everyone as we have opportunity. Hebrews 12 and 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Finally, in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to be resist. And having done everything to stand firm, to stand firm. A tired and weary soldier has fought the battle true, now lays down his armor, his battle is finally through. His record stands as honor among the very best. Here's the master say, well done, thy faithful servant, it's time for you to rest. A soldier for Christ is what I'd like to be, and fight the mighty battle against the enemy. And when I get to heaven will be a great reward. I want to be a soldier in the service of the Lord. It was a Sunday morning much like this. Cold. A large and excited congregation had come together because they'd heard something unusual might happen that day. January 21st, 1776 in Woodstock, Virginia. A preacher took the pulpit and he opened his Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You know the passage. There's a time for all things under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die and a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. And he closed his Bible and said, there's a time for peace. And there's also a time to fight and that time has now come. He removed his clerical robes and revealed a uniform of the Virginia militia. He had someone to beat a drum as he walked to the back of the church. And he asked, who will join me in the fight for liberty and honor? And Peter Muhlenberg that day enlisted over a hundred men to fight in the colonial army. And that was wonderful for him and for his time. He went on and fought through the war at Brandywine, at Germantown, at Monmouth Courthouse. And he was on hand at Yorktown when Cornwallis surrendered. In fact, he attained the rank of Major General, the highest of any chaplain in the colonial army. So that was good for his time. And we applaud him. But it's our time. And you and I have an opportunity to be involved and engaged in something much more important than a physical war. We've been talking about military terms to some extent, and we know that fits very well. It fits what we are about because we are indeed soldiers of the cross. And really, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 that we are workers with God. You can be part of a lot of things in your lifetime. 
and you can be close to some important people. We see this played out. We see the scenario in Washington and in Montgomery where somebody wants to be close to the power, to the governor, and so on, because that's really important. Or they want to be on someone's team. We have those that want to be on the team of the Marines. I just saw an interview the other day of a guy named Rob Olison. I'm sorry, O'Neill. He was a fellow that shot Osama bin Laden. People want to be a part of the Navy SEALs. That's good stuff. We honor that. We respect that. But you and I, you in the pews, and I here, we all have a greater opportunity, a greater privilege than any of that to be workers with God. We can't help but, but take a moment to thank you so very much for your generous support of this eldership, for your attitude, for just the goodness of your heart, for doing what's right because it's right. Nothing better than that, okay? We had set a goal, I believe we did, the mission, mission committee told me that we were going to raise $100,000 for Mission Sunday. That's lots of money. We've never done that before. We are boldly trying to go where we've never gone, okay? And don't forget this little thing here. This is the layaway. We can find you some of those. Young people, you know, I don't want to say too much, but there's a lot of things we can do with just a few dollars. So we've set the goal of $100,000, but guess what? Today we have raised over $20,000 laying away money for Mission Sunday. Well, I think that's pretty good, and you'll be commended for that. Now, we're not just interested in raising money just to raise money, but what the money can do, because it might make a difference in whether somebody hears the gospel or not. And that's what we want. And that's why we are soldiers of the cross. Yes, as we've said, we've got to look beyond our own walls, our own community, our state. And we've got to look at the whole world because the world is filled with lost people. And we need to try to reach them if we can. Just as if you could have been there that Sunday morning and listened to Peter Muhlenberg challenge his congregation. Who will join me in the fight for freedom, for liberty and honor? Then really, as we know, Christ is with us every time we meet in spirit. Perhaps if you were to close your eyes, you could see him standing right down here or maybe where I am. And he is also issuing the challenge in the same way, but a spiritual fight that never ceases, that is going on all of the time, whether we see it or not, against the forces of evil. You are a part of that because you're a part of the church that Jesus built. So he's here. He's here challenging us today. And I can't help but remember the scripture we've already read where Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. And then I read 
from Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, which said, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life and others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We want to shine like the stars forever and ever after this world is gone. So let us today, let us answer the challenge and join Christ as a soldier of the cross in his fight for liberty, for freedom, for salvation of mankind. Why keep Jesus waiting? He's standing at the door. He's standing here in front of us today as we stand and sing this song.